A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada land supporter and get everything our supporters get. For just $2 a month, that is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com join. And thank you. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. It's never an easy call with so many problems in the world to know where to direct the money that you donate when you want to help out in this world. But what I can tell you is that when you donate to CAMH, you're saving lives. We know about the opioid crisis. We know about the mental health crisis. They are doing the work. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at CAMH.ca slash CanadaLand to help us treat addiction and build hope. Hello. Jesse Brown is away this week. I'm Elamine Abdelmahmoud. Before we get to today's show, I want to tell you about a new podcast by Canada Land. It's called Taste Buds. In it, food writer and former cook Corey Mintz has a meal with restaurant owners and chefs after closing time. These people know food. They know the restaurant industry, and they do not hold back. The AV Club called the debut episode forward-thinking and wonderfully candid and nuanced. On this week's show, Corey goes to a steakhouse run by a former anarchist vegan whose friends were once car-bombed by the FBI. They talk about that, and they also talk with another chef who built her dream restaurant before she had to get a restraining order against her landlords and abandon the place. It's a fascinating conversation, and it will make you hungry. This show is sponsored by Foodora, who is basically giving listeners a free lunch. Just listen for that offer. Again, the podcast is called Taste Buds. Get it wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Endy, the Canadian-made online mattress. Since its launch in 2015, Endy has become the leading online sleep brand in Canada. The company's mission is super simple, to provide Canadians from coast to coast to coast with the best possible sleep and the fairest possible price. Go to endy.ca and use the promo code CANADALAND for $50 off any mattress. And this episode is also brought to you by HelloFresh, the meal kit service dedicated to making cooking fun, easy, and convenient because I find cooking none of those things. 
Each week, HelloFresh creates new delicious recipes with step-by-step instructions designed to take around 30 minutes for everyone from novices to seasoned home cooks short on time. For 50% off your first box, visit hellofresh.ca slash Candleland and enter the promo code Candleland when you subscribe. Anna Mailer Pepperney. Did I get it right? Yeah. Amazing. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Thank you for joining me. I am a longtime fan of yours. And Same I just wanted here. to say your reporting at Reuters is amazing and I'm super glad to have you here. Today we're going to be talking about the Danforth mass shooting in Toronto and Twitter. Is it awful? Mm, it's not a happy place. I would say it's actively like the bad place. Welcome to Candleland. Thank you so much. This episode of Shortcuts is brought to you by Sarah Helmer, Jonathan Benn, Erica Olson, Derek Deutsch, Kevin Charter, Lauren Hunter, Gwen Fraser, and Vittoria Natarelli. Hi, I'm Vittoria. I'm a social media marketer from Vaughan, Ontario. And I support Candleland because as it appears like the world is going up in flames, Candleland takes the time to discuss what caused the fire and if and how we can even put it out. This episode is also brought to you by Endy, the Canadian-made online mattress. Endy's mission is to provide Canadians from coast to coast with the best possible sleep at the fairest possible price. Memory foam mattresses are great, but technology has actually moved forward. Keep up! The Endy mattress is made with proprietary comfort foam using millions of microscopic supportive air cells to provide the perfect balance of comfort and support. And they have cooling gel inside so your mattress stays nice and cool all night long. The Endy mattress is made with Canadian materials and is only sold to Canadians. By keeping manufacturing local, Endy can avoid duties, currency exchanges, and international shipping, keeping prices as fair as possible for the customer. Their quality is second to none and their pricing is even better, with mattresses costing from 675 to 950 Canadian dollars. Endy is so confident you'll like their mattresses that they're giving you a 100-night free trial. And I have a deal for you today. Go to endy.ca and use the promo code CANADALAND to get an additional $50 off your Endy mattress. That's endy.ca, promo code CANADALAND. On Sunday night, a 29-year-old man named Faisal Hussein walked down the Danforth neighborhood in Toronto, opening fire inside restaurants and businesses and on people on the street. When the carnage was done, Hussein had injured 13 people and killed two. The deceased in the horror are 18-year-old Reese Fallon and 10-year-old Juliana Kozis. Why and how and what? You want answers. Everyone wants answers. But honestly, in the few days... After a horror like this, answers are scarce. The gap of knowledge is huge. The gap of knowledge is so big, you can comfortably build a home in it. The SIU, for example, will not comment on a motive yet. That's a gap of knowledge. First, the Star, then the Globe reported that a man, I think the Globe named him as someone named Jasper Singh, crossed paths in front of the killer, and the killer told him he's not going to shoot him before continuing the rampage. Why? That's another gap of knowledge. Anthony Fury reported that his source told him Hussein was known to police. What does that mean? That was another gap of knowledge that you can build so many different conspiracy theories around. What was your first reaction to watching the coverage of the shooting unfold? It was horror, but it was also a degree of deja vu. I feel like we've been through so many similar 
horrifying incidents that the reporting on it has almost developed a structure of its own. There's a whole genre now of articles, you know, saying this is what we know and this is what we don't know, which is arguably the most responsible way to go about it. But there's also a whole genre of speculation reporting and the creation, as you mentioned, of those gaps of knowledge around, you know, these small or isolated or contextless factoids. Right. So it was this sort of sickening, like, here we go again kind of thing. There are some things where you think, where you look at something and think, okay, obviously, this is not best practice. This is not the best way to go about reporting on something like this. And there are other things where you think, is this inevitably going to be just a crappy reportage? Like, is it inevitable that this feels so awful and yet so familiar? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Well, the factoid bit is interesting, right? Because... The minute that one thing comes out, everyone shifts their attention towards that. Mm-hmm. And then you start building conspiracy theories that have nothing to do whatsoever with the reality because we just don't know, right? So, for example, Sue Ann Levy of the Toronto Sun, before we knew in what ways the shooter was known to police, before we knew even the name of the shooter, she was like, she, she tweeted, gang member, question mark, refugee, question mark, terrorist, question mark. First of all, what the fuck? Those are such different things that you can't just put them together in one sentence. And second of all, that is so irresponsible because what it's doing is giving permission to build all other kinds of conspiracy theories for everyone to just sort of slap their own views on it. What's the common thread between those three things? Those are all members of marginalized, racialized communities. Correct. Like what comes to mind when you think of gang member is not a young white dude. Exactly. Um, so it's telling, but again, unsurprising, that's her shtick. And what's what's also telling, I think, is that it turned out that he was known to police because of his mental illness. Right. That, that was what Global News ended up reporting, is that he was known to police not because he had ever committed a crime or ever done anything wrong, but because he was apprehended under the Mental Health Act, which is an act that allows the police to detain you and bring you to a psychiatric facility against your will. Mm-hmm. So there was never any criminal history. And I believe he was he was detained, I think, twice under the same yeah. act. Yeah. I will say, in the interest of just being fully upfront, I did call out Sue Ann Levy um, on that tweet, and we got into a pretty public back and forth just about the irresponsibility of that, because Levy has a massive platform. A lot of people look to her to make sense of something like this. I'm curious as to what you think the utility is in calling her out, because I feel the same way, but I also wonder to myself, given that her platform, her fan base exists because she puts out these views. Is there anyone to convince? What do you think? You know, I on my good days, um, I like to imagine that people can be swayed by reason. Um, I, I'm not there all the time. I, I honestly am not. I, I've had several days in a row in the past few days where I've been pulled into what we would you know, mildly called the culture wars, where I'm just like angrily tweeting to be like, come on, can we have some common sense? I will look back at that period of time in a few days and be like, oh, I was an idiot then, because I know that those people can't be convinced. And so I just have like these bursts of hope, these bursts of like, can we have like a, a, a civilized discourse about this? Can we talk about this? Like, like people who are in a profession that is entrusted with the truth. And 
in those moments, I get so disappointed and so upset. And then I'm like, why did I expect anything different? I think that's beautiful that you retain that hope, though. Thank you. It's not to the benefit of my mental health. You know what I mean? Like, it's not it's not good for me personally to continue to be like, these people can be reached, and then they're not. So, for example, Ezra Levant had this tweet where he, quote, retweeted a CBC reporter, Shanifa Nasser, who is a wonderful reporter, has done such great work reporting on, on violence in Toronto, who happens to be a Muslim woman. She put out a tweet with a statement from the family of the shooter. And this is what Ezra Levant tweeted. I'm curious how the name of the Toronto shooter was withheld for a day. And the moment it was released, a Muslim reporter, the CBC state broadcaster, issues an official statement from, quote, the family that he was mentally ill, nothing to do with Islam. It's probably nothing. That treatment of a reporter dismissing someone on the basis of her religion and classifying her as not only incapable of doing her job, but liable to be party to a convoluted conspiracy Mm -hmm. to somehow exculpate a deceased shooter, beggars describing. I could not find any word other than despicable and horrifying, but it feels like it goes beyond that because it's, it's genuinely an affront not just to, I don't know, decency, but the profession of journalism. But also he opened her up to so much abuse. And women reporters and women reporters of color especially face so much abuse online to begin with. So to do that to someone, it suggests malice towards the person. Because how do you do that not knowing what you're unleashing on them in that moment when they're trying to do their job in good faith? And it feels particularly malicious because... um, He said, uh, it's curious how the name of the shooter was withheld for a day. Like, he just showed up to the reporting world. He's been in journalism long enough to know that a place like the SIU will withhold the name of the shooter until the family's notified. That is, like, not new to anybody who's ever dealt with anything that has to do with SIU. But it's, like, this deliberate sort of manipulation of the narrative. Let's take a look at some of the early reporting from this tragedy. Shock and sorrow in Greektown. A gunman killed two people and wounded a dozen more on the Danforth last night. It's sad. It's very sad to see what can happen in a, in a regular neighborhood in Toronto. And... Yeah, it's, it's, it's the kind of place, if you had to pick a place where it wasn't going to happen, it would be the Danforth. It's, it's family friendly. People are sitting out on patios. You don't expect this on Danforth, you know, in all places. I can't believe this happened here in this area. I'm here every day. My friends live here. My boyfriend lives here. I don't know. It's tragic. Human empathy is so hard to address, I find, and so hard to capture. But it's so telling the ways we identify with certain things and not with others. And it's no accident or, you know, coincidence that the people who tend to be more prominent in commenting were also much more likely to be shocked and dismayed and in denial about the prospect of a shooting in this one particular place. The automatic thought is, well, did you respond this way when there was a shooting at a playground in East Scarborough? And obviously, thank God, those two little girls didn't die. But... If you don't have the it-can't-happen-here response when there's a shooting at a playground or, you know, when, like, someone is shot, a little girl is shot through the window of her home, 
I can't tell you how to feel or how to empathize, but I think it's important to interrogate why we empathize with certain things more than others. And I think as reporters who are gathering this information, it's important to ask, like, why is this the narrative? Well, I mean, like Desmond Cole had a really good tweet about this. He said the media's familiarity with the Danforth means that the narration of the shooting is deeply personal. Right? We've all been there, we tell the world. If you've never been there, it's a great neighborhood. Media is unwilling or unable to say this about many parts of Toronto. That's what Desmond Cole said. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Um, I mean, that is to say that some parts of the city are alive to me. Some parts of the city are dynamic. I know what they're like. They have families, and which is to say they have families that I recognize. Yeah. Um, it's like Rexdale doesn't have families, right? It's like Jane and Finch doesn't have families. It's like those, those you know, different areas of the city have never seen a family before. And that's why shootings happen. But in the Danforth, where families exist, this is shocking and you should be shocked. So... It's constantly about who frequents those places and then has space in the media, right? Um, it's about who gets a seat at the producer's table, at the writer's table. Because when you end up piecing that package together, it sure sounds like there is a wall of media authority telling you, listen, we've vetted this place. This is not the kind of place this kind of thing happens. And so the question is, is it the responsibility of journalists to develop that degree of familiarity with every neighborhood? Or is it the responsibility of journalists to approach every horrifying crime with the view that this is a place where people should not be gunned down? Right. Like a normal person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, like... That, that, that seems uncontroversial to me, right? Like approaching every part of the city as a place that, like, hey, violence is an unusual thing to have happened here, that it should not have happened here because there are families here, that should just be a part of the compassion narrative that we develop as reporters. Because, listen, when we report on crime, it's not like we're completely amoral. We're still saying, and this should not have happened here. I think so. I yeah, think that is I something that we can say. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't know what to tell people about feelings. Like, clearly, there were a lot, a lot of feelings about what happened on the Danforth. Mm -hmm. It's not as though those feelings don't exist when you have a shooting up at Jane Finch. It's that we're not getting them. We're right. not getting the people who's saying, oh my God, I have dinner here every single day. Or, oh my God, yes. I walk past here taking my child to daycare every day. Right. So those are stories that we're missing that we got in this case. And I think we have to ask ourselves, why was that the focus here? And that has not been the focus in other stories. Right. I don't have an answer for this, by the way, but I just think we need to do better. I need to, we need to do better in terms of developing that empathy and that compassion in our reporting mm -hmm. um, and in the ways we talk about people who die, um, yeah. people who die because of, because of geography. Yeah. And the family of the shooter issued a statement. The statement became itself controversial for a reason I'll get into in a minute. But here's what the statement said. The statement said, Our son had severe mental health challenges, struggling with psychosis, depression his entire life. The interventions of professionals were unsuccessful. Medications and therapy were unable to treat him. While we did our best to seek help for him throughout his life of struggle and pain, we could never imagine that this would be his devastating and destructive end. So clearly a family that has had a lot of struggle with mental health in their history here um, with this young man. But also it opens up a line of dialogue, right? It opens up a conversation that we are not very good at having in this country. There was a conspiracy theory that developed around the statement from the family because it was 
in part penned with the help of an activist named Mohammed Hashim, who is a labor organizer and associated with the NDP and associated with uh, a bunch of organizations that work on like awareness of Islamophobia in the country. And a bunch of people said, this is a professional activist trying to downplay the Islam part of the conversation while playing up the mental health part. And one of the most awful responses I saw to this was um, someone who had hundreds of retweets to a tweet saying, quote, claiming Faisal Hussein slaughtered innocent girls because he suffered from depression is an unforgivable insult to all Canadians who suffer from depression. Depression didn't cause this. Faisal being taught by his religion that this atrocity would please his God caused it. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. First of all, the interplay of mental illness and violence is intensely complex, and it's not something we've been good at grappling with. And it has done an enormous amount of damage when we make assumptions about the nexus of propensity to violence and mental illness. However, to say like, well, you're insulting people with depression, so now I'm going to insult, what, like 1.6 billion people and assume an entire religion is violent, there's nothing worthwhile there. Right. I mean, I can understand someone with depression seeing that and being like, that's not me. I can't understand a person seeing that and thinking, I'm going to slander an entire like, population. Right. I mean, I, when I saw that statement, I, I was just so sad because those kinds of mental health challenges are real and brutalizing for the person involved, but also for their family to deal with. And it sounds like they were dealing with it for a while. The question on everybody's mind, obviously, is to what degree that influenced his actions on Sunday night. And the short answer is we have no idea. And his family maybe knows, maybe doesn't know. It's complicated. It's entirely possible that uh, Hussein committed the shooting during a psychotic break, but we don't know that. Right, because we know nothing. Yeah. Because it's been a few days. It's right? been a few days. We yeah. don't know what his mental state was. You know, and if and if he did, if this was the case, then this would be uh, a case of someone who's not criminally responsible, right? On the one hand, it's an important piece of the story. It tells us something important about uh, the, the shooter in this case. But we don't know enough about him or his mental state at the time or his actions to draw concrete conclusions. There appears to be a real desperation to link his religion to his action, right? Yeah. Um, and for some people, that is that's sort of the easiest and earliest explanation in the bucket that you pull for. And once you pulled for it, it's like, I don't want to pull for another one. I don't want to poke further. I also saw that ISIS had claimed responsibility for the attack, but they've also claimed responsibility for, like, I don't know, a falafel sandwich I ate last week. With ISIS having that um, habit of claiming responsibility for anything where the answers are unclear, we just don't know and we continue to not know. And like that's it goes back to that gap of knowledge thing, right, is that with these large gaps of knowledge, it's like, all kinds of narratives can be created. There were some reports, I think CBS, I don't know why no Canadian organization reported this, but CBS is reporting, according to their sources, that uh, Hussein had visited ISIS websites. That may be true. But you know what? Like, I need to exist in a world where a Muslim terrorist can also have mental health problems, right? I don't know if that's a wild claim to make, but for some reason, it's like Muslims are not afforded the complexity to both fall prey to vicious narratives that tell them to act horrifically 
and also be suffering from mental health problems. Often those things exist hand in hand, but it's like there's one story to write. The other one doesn't exist. And it's also possible that he had severe mental illness, that maybe he once visited a radical website, and that neither of those things were the reason that he did that. Maybe he was just like this guy who did a bad thing. Just like you can be a white person and do this one horrible thing, and no one's going to be like, well, he did it because Christianity you know, promotes violence. Sure. You can do one bad thing and have it not be the fault of your religion. Um, or, or your mental health. Yeah. yeah. It, it, again, it could have been it could have been his mental illness. It could have played a role. It's possible it didn't also. I've only seen that one source of the, the ISIS website, and I've seen reports from Toronto Police and from Ralph Goodale that they don't see a national security nexus. Right. So they don't see a terror connection. Right. Which I think is important because if they did, they would say so. So I think just given the information that we have, there isn't any evidence that he was part of any larger group or that he was radicalized, whatever that means. Right. But again, we don't know. And human beings do really badly with uncertainty, which I think we need to get I think we need to get more comfortable with not knowing and being okay with elucidating what we don't know. For some reason, it appears as though I say for some reason like I'm like feigning like naivete. Like for clicks um, the person who is like, here's the answer, and I'm super sure that this is the answer, answer and nothing else is the answer, is the one that is sort of declared the winner, right? It's like, well, that that publication can explain everything to me. Well, Ezra Levant can account for everything. And it's like, no, he can't because we don't have all the facts. No one does. And it's possible that literally by the time that people hear this recording, we'll have more answers. Um, but that doesn't excuse the fact of being irresponsible when there is an entire vacuum of facts. Let's uh, take a minute to thank our final sponsors. Shortcuts is brought to you by HelloFresh, the meal kit service dedicated to making cooking fun, easy, and convenient. Now, each week, HelloFresh creates new delicious recipes with step-by-step instructions designed to take around 30 minutes for everyone from novices to seasoned home cooks short on time. Now, listen, I'm not a seasoned home cook, but I am short on time, which is to say that this is exactly the right thing for me. You have to imagine that I just, like, got home from work. I have the baby with me. I'm like, what am I going to make the baby for dinner? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh. I know what I'm going to make the baby for dinner, but then I don't have time to figure out what I'm going to make for me. And that, my friends, is the HelloFresh magic. HelloFresh sources the freshest ingredients measured to the exact quantity needed so there's no food waste, all delivered to your doorstep in a special insulated box for free. For 50% off your first box, visit HelloFresh.ca slash CandidaLand and enter promo code CandidaLand when you subscribe. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. We hear a lot about the opioid crisis. We talk a lot about the mental health crisis. These are serious problems. These problems affect us all. They've affected my life and my community. They're not intractable problems. I don't know what's going to solve them on a policy level, but day-to-day helping people, that's what CAMH does. They do it on the ground when people need help, and they do it through research. The team at CAMH gave our team a tour of their facilities, and we were really just blown away by the incredible, heroic work that they're doing every day. They treat everyone with dignity, and their research is seeking and finding real solutions for everyone around the world. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. 
Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool, doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer. And it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. And our final sponsor, CanadaLand's founding sponsor, is FreshBooks. Quick question for all of you trailblazing freelancers. If you could reclaim up to 192 hours a year of your precious time, would you? Our friends at FreshBooks are asking this question. FreshBooks makes ridiculously easy-to-use cloud accounting software for freelancers. By simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, uh, FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people to deal with their paperwork. Oh, and if you're doing the math, 192 hours works out to two working days per month. If that's not enough incentive, the FreshBooks platform has been rebuilt from the ground up. They've taken simplicity and speed to an entirely new level and added powerful new features. So if you're a freelancer listening to this and not using FreshBooks yet, now will be the time to try it. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to CanadaLand listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash CanadaLand and enter CanadaLand in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Anna, would you like to tell us something that you would like to duly note? So I've been watching with interest the interplay and the debate around asylum seekers coming to Canada. And it's fascinating to me and frustrating because we seem incapable of having a coherent or a substantive debate around this. There are some really, really important questions to ask of the federal government and other levels of government in terms of their responses and how they plan to respond in the future. And yet somehow we ended up talking about this tweeted ad from the federal conservatives, which they later pulled. And I don't think they gave a reason for pulling it. Did they say? I don't think they did. That was the ad with the with the black man yeah, walking over a tweet. Yeah. So there's a black man with a rolly suitcase yeah. walking over a tweet that's acting as a bridge over like a moat, right. which is implied a moat around Canada. And then there's a fence. <laughs> There's a chain link fence and there's this like the chain link fence has somehow been broken. Yes. And so he's walking across this tweet acting as a bridge right. to the end. And it's just like I was so fascinated by this because there are so many things involved. Like somehow Canada used to be this impenetrable fortress with a moat and a chain link fence. But now all of a sudden there's a bridge that wasn't there before. And the bridge is the prime minister's tweet That's right. from January of 2017. Which they describe as a holier than thou tweet that yes. caused a migrant crisis. Yes, which yeah. is which is debatable because the spike in border crossing asylum seekers didn't really occur for another six or so months after that tweet. But that's okay. 
Um, That's very generous of you. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's fascinating that Canada is seen as like used to be impenetrable, now so easily penetrable. And also they broke the fence. These asylum seekers are also vandals who broke our nice chain link fence. And I'm not the most equipped to discuss how telling it is that the person walking across this bridge is a black man. But let's just say that there are fears that are stoked of people who don't look like the majority. And you're consciously, I think, stoking those fears when this is how you portray this influx of asylum seekers coming to Canada. I, I wish we were better at having this discussion because there are so many unanswered questions that I think the government needs to address. And I don't want to have to be talking about the potentially xenophobic natures of this tweet mm-hmm. when, when we could be talking about what the government's plan is actually. Last week, we saw the Minister of Immigration use the phrase, the politics of fear and division yeah. um, in describing the tweet and the way yeah. the conservatives were handling it. Um, and it was interesting to me that yesterday, Michelle Rempel used the same phrase, oh, the really? politics of fear. And it's like, one of you is using the politics of fear. The other one's lying to me. I don't know which is which, but you can't both be claiming the high ground on the politics <laughs> of fear. That's just not how the politics of fear work. I don't know, maybe there is no high ground. Like, keep in mind, this is a government that designated asylum seekers a security issue. True. Duly noted. A quick duly noted from me. We saw this week that the number of sexual assault allegations dismissed by the police as unfounded, um, quote, unfounded, has dropped in the year since the Global Mail did their unfounded series and revealed that sexual offenses were being disproportionately rejected as baseless. I think it dropped by something like 5%. Uh, that is an incredible feat. It obviously can't be chalked up entirely to just journalism. I think there is a part of me that wishes it would. But also that was a year of Me Too, right? That was a year of just a much better, much larger conversation about harassment, sexual assault. But this is, I think, an incredible result in this country because 5% in one year is pretty amazing. Duly noted. So Twitter is the bad place. Yeah. I live there. Like, it's my home. I have, an, I have a home address in the bad place, but that's okay. I choose to live there. It's not, it's fine. Um, Andrew Potter wrote a, I think, a pretty interesting piece in the Ottawa Citizen called Partisans. We need to make a choice. Do we define ourselves by what we believe in or by what we despise? Really, he's talking about this sort of toxic universe of Twitter where, like, if you're against someone's perspective, what you do 24-7 is just make sure that you you make them feel belittled. Catherine McKenna tweeted this. Um, she said she's been thinking a lot lately about social media and the role we all play in the quality of the discussion. She also tweeted a great piece by Maggie Haberman on how she mostly quit Twitter. Uh, let me just uh, pull out one quote that I really liked um, from the Maggie Haberman piece, which was that on Twitter, everything is shrunk down to the same size, making it harder to discern what is a big deal and what is not. Tone often overshadows the actual news. All outrages appear equal. I'm feeling that pretty acutely lately. Oh, yeah. And it's hard to know what to do with it. It's hard to know what to do with it as a reporter. It's hard to know what to do with it as a person on Twitter. Right. Um, I think there's a there's a universe where where Twitter is a, is a, is a decent platform um, for thoughtful people to share some ideas. But then there's a lot of noise on the outskirts. And then that noise can either come in a little bit closer 
um, or get further away, depending on how seriously you take that noise. I was actually talking with some people the other day about the need to tweet with purpose, because then I can sort of tweet out something and it can get horrible responses, but I can be like, I said this for a reason and I'm, I'm cool with it. Right. And also, I don't think I owe everybody on that platform a response. Um, because if I posted a link to an article and I had people responding saying, how, you know, why are we letting these terrorists into our country? I don't owe that person a response. Right. It can be remarkably zen-like if you just sort of think like, I don't need to respond to this. And then it becomes a, a thing where you say, do I want this? Do I want to spend time talking to this person? Is it different if you're a politician? Um, if, is it different if you're Catherine McKenna and you're getting all these people who are tweeting at you, you know, anything from, you know, awful stuff like climate Barbie to carbon tax is bad. Is it different? I would argue that as an elected official, she owes the Canadian public her time and her attention. But I don't think it has to be on Twitter. Right. For example, if you write her office a letter, I think she owes you a response. If you tweet at her, I don't think she's obliged by any public service obligation to, to respond. respond. There was but, an interesting case in the in the U.S. a few months ago where some activists successfully sued Donald Trump for blocking them on Twitter. Yeah. And, he, and the president's account had to unblock them. Yeah. And their argument was that it was actually a violation of their freedom of speech for the president to uh, to block them on Twitter, is that he had to hear from them. I mean, he didn't have to respond to the tweets, but he could, simply could not block them. Blocking strikes me as being a little bit different because you're preventing someone from seeing what you're writing as a public official. Right. I would be interested, very interested to see how in Canada that would play out. Because on the one hand, um, and I think female politicians especially, are the targets of abuse. And I think a judge would be hard-pressed to say, like, no, you're obliged to hear from your abusers online. Right. On the other hand, I think there is an argument to be made that you can't wall off your tweets so they're only available to people who you like. Thank you so much, Anna. Thank you. That was Candleland Shortcuts. I hope you enjoyed it. You can reach us on Twitter at Candleland, and you can reach me at Elamine88. That's E-L-A-M-I-N-88. Anna, where can people reach you? I'm at AMP6 on Twitter, and you can find my work at Reuters.com. Such a short handle. I'm so jealous. I regret, in hindsight, using the number because I look like a bot, but <laughs> A. Mailer Perperni is way too long. So. That's fair. And AMP was taken... Follow us on Facebook to get our news stories right into your newsfeed or go to our website, CanadaLandShow.com. This episode was produced by Kevin Sexton with editorial assistance from Lydia Abraha. Syndication is handled by CFUV 101.9 in Victoria. Visit them online at CFUV.ca. If you like this show, please support us at Patreon.com slash CanadaLand. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? 
you can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.